Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williams. And Matt, we got some action this week. We're we were whining last week that it, things have slowed down, but we've had some, some stuff the first couple of days of this week. Yeah, all of a sudden here. You know, I mean, this last day or so, the last 24 hours, has been kind of hot and heavy, and I hope it keeps up because it's, it's a lot better than it's been and a lot more to talk about than there's been. Yeah, and I, I think that's... I think that's more than norm. I mean, we've we've seen this lesson over and over that the NFL has become a 12-month um, business, you know, weekly, daily news cycle. And, uh, you know, I think this week is a, is a reminder of that. And let's jump into it. I mean, the Tony Romo news, I guess. It's a news that was always kind of hovering out there. But probably the, the result that we all probably would have put the less chips on. I mean, you're a bit surprised that he's not giving it another world. I thought for sure he'd end up in Houston or Denver, uh, but when you think about it, I mean, you can certainly understand it. You know, I mean, why leave your family? You know, you've had back surgeries. You've had a lot of injuries. You're up in age. You certainly are not hurting for money. You know, why start over with and reinvent yourself with a new team? Um, and maybe interest wasn't quite as strong as we thought it was. Who knows? I, I bet that's not the case, but I think, I think it's a possibility. But I can never blame someone in his situation for walking away. I mean, he's he's had a great career, and frankly, and I've been saying this for years. I think he's, I think he and Philip Rivers are the two most underrated quarterbacks of this generation, um, and I, I don't fault him at all for saying, eh, let's hang it up. Let's those hits aren't fun anymore." Yeah, and I mean, I, I, the thing about Romo that did not excite me as a player anymore was the fact that he's played just about three meaningful games in the last two years. That's a long time for a 37-year-old. And I just don't know if he could trust his body anymore. Yeah, and I 100% agree. And, um, you know, I said it this time last year. I mean, I said it going into the preseason over and over that, you know, anyone that follows me has heard it a thousand times before it even happened that, if I had to bet on one quarterback getting hurt in 2016, I kept saying I bet on Tony Romo, and I hate to say you that. You told me that. You know, I, don't say I was that at the Cowboys tra- training camp right there by the field, and you told me that. Yeah, um, yeah. right. You know, and, and I don't want to. I hate to say that. I don't say that about other players at other positions, but it just added up. And you know, I mean, he, he, with again, a great he had a great career. Line. What's that? With a great offensive line. Right, right. You know, I, I mean, and he still got hurt. Sure, and maybe it's fluky, maybe it's not, whatever. But I mean, I, I didn't trust them to stay healthy. My hunch is Denver and Houston wouldn't either, but they would probably would have liked to have them. Right now, let's see the, the domino effect of this retirement. Houston cannot be happy. I mean, they, they you know, okay, they lost Brock Osweiler, but still. He's probably better than, or, you know, I mean, is Tom Savage better? I mean, they were kind of counting on Romo. Yes, but I've written this and I've said this over and over, that if I'm the GM of the Texans and I made the move, I cleared the cap space, I got Osweiler out of the building, I would battle tooth and nail to get Tony Romo. If, if I lost, you know, and what I said at the time was, if I lost Romo to Denver, I would call Jay Cutler immediately. You know, he would be on speed dial. He would be a consolation prize. And I don't think he's that terrible of a consolation prize. I mean, if you 
Think about it this way. If you sign Jay Cutler to a two-year deal, he's not going to be crazy expensive, but you're going to pay him you know, a lot of money for an NFL player, of course. He's a starting NFL quarterback. And you have Savage as the number two. And then I think you go into this draft class with every intention of using a first sec- or second-round pick on a quarterback. I mean, I think you look at it and say, we need O-line help, we need quarterback help. Those are going to be our top two picks. And then you're going into the season with Cutler as your starter, Savage as an upside backup, and you could do worse, and then your future sitting there on the bench. You know, there's Deshaun Kaiser or Mahomes or one of those type of guys. I think that's pretty good. I think you could do a lot yeah. worse with a really good defense with J.J. Watt returning. I think you're one of the AFC powerhouses behind New England. And Cutler has played well when he's been coached well, and, and Bill O'Brien – coaches quarterbacks well yes and i think there's people out there saying but cutler's nothing like the quarterbacks o'brien has coached you know he's not brady or i mean certainly not no one's brady but schaub or hoyer or any of these quote game manager none of those guys would be considered gunslingers you know cutler's a different mold of player than the ones that he's had but how well has that worked out for you i mean Cutler on Houston last year, I think they're eleven and five team without JJ Watt. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Cutler and O'Brien on the same sideline in the same meeting room could be super explosive though, because those are two pretty sure. aloof personalities. So I don't know how great of a chemistry fit it would be. But I don't. If, if you're Houston, I don't know if you're being all that choosy right now. And I'm not settling for Ryan Fitzpatrick and saying, "Boy, I got right. that, that'll work." I mean, that doesn't make you any better. Is Kaepernick a, a fit for for Houston? I, I wouldn't. Think I don't so. think so. I think he'd be even yeah. worse in terms of scheme and you know orchestrating that offense. I mean, he certainly doesn't have many Brady similarities in terms of running an offense. And he would drive O'Brien. Some of his on-field antics, for lack of a better word, would probably drive O'Brien crazy too. Right. You know, I think it's Cutler or bust. And yeah. if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I would love Cutler. You know, I mean, throw up 50-50 balls. He's always had a Marshall or somebody like that, and he feeds those guys, you know, that are contested catch wide receivers. You know, the rest of the, you know, he certainly has the arm for Will Fuller. Um, I, I know I'm considered somewhat of a Cutler supporter more than most, you know, that do what we do for a living. But he has I, I don't see what's so horrible about this guy. Yeah, I mean, Cutler's biggest problem, and I, I've been around Cutler. I covered him, and he wasn't right. a, a super treat to cover for the most part. Um, is he's, he's aloof, and he really doesn't give a crap about really any what anybody thinks. And so the Chicago-Cutler marriage had its shelf life. I still think had Shanahan stayed in Denver, Cutler, we, we'd be thinking about Cutler in, in a different manner. He was a really he he was a really potential franchise type guy after his third year when he got traded. Yes, and he also had a phenomenal season in 2015 with Adam Gase and very little at the wide receiver position. I mean, go back and look at who's he's throwing to that year and who he's playing with. And I thought Cutler had a fantastic season and. He didn't play great in 2016, but he quickly got hurt after. Um, I still think that he's, uh, you know, uh, the 
18th to 22nd best quarterback in the league and would bring, yes, he'd probably throw more picks than Matt Schaub did in his prime, but he would also make a heck of a lot more plays. Yeah, and 18 to 22 for the Houston Texans is a huge difference than, you know, 28-29. Huge. Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. So you think if you if you're Rick Smith, you're trying to get Cutler done, Toronto? This second, yeah, the second I got news that I did not get Romo, I'm on the horn with Cutler, and I wonder if there's already you know a backroom deal going too, because when the Jets signed McCown, there was all this talk about Jets one Cutler, Jet one Jets one Cutler, but if I'm Cutler, I'm holding out for Houston. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't want to go to New York. I mean I would hate right. to play with the Jets. I would love to play with Houston. Uh, there are some bumps, you know. I mean, the O'Brien Cutler marriage certainly isn't perfect, but man, I mean, if you if he's your clear starter this year, Savage is your two, and you have a first round pick that enters the building too. Now you're talking. Yeah, I, I, if that were to happen, I think Jay Cutler would be one of the winners of this offseason. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you said that. You broke up a little bit. I, I said, if that's where, if he were to get signed by Houston, I think Jay Cutler becomes one of the winners of this offseason in the NFL. Yes, that's a great situation for him, and I don't think it's a terrible situation for them, contrary right. to popular yeah. belief. Interesting. Um, and, and Rick Smith was in the building when the Broncos drafted Cutler. For whatever it's worth, he was only there for a couple of months, but, you know, he was part of that decision-making. So he's seen him at his best. Well, you know, again, he wasn't or there. somebody at least liked him. He was there when they made the pick, and then he, he went to Houston in June. So he was part of that process. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be good or bad, that he knows him well, and right. he hasn't signed him yet. Maybe he doesn't want him, but... I don't know what else you have at your disposal right now, and you can't go into the year with Tom Savage and a rookie, right? Not with that defense. Not with not when you can win now. You know. No, it's um, not rebuild time about, there. Let's talk a little bit about the trade that just happened about an hour ago. Jernigan, uh, the defensive tackle, goes from the Ravens to the Eagles, and there's some draft pick swaps, third round picks, basically moving up in, the, in that round. Um, do you like that fit for the Eagles? I love it for the Eagles. You know, I, I think the Eagles scheme, they want penetrators all through their defensive line. I, I think that while they liked Benny Logan, they didn't try hard to keep him. He's more of a slow-playing, nose-tackle, run-stuffer type, where I know they have Fletcher Cox, but I think they want – Everyone in that front seven to be wide nine, go get them, penetrating athletes, and Jernigan fits that mold as nose tackles go. I mean, I think he's a three-technique uh, three nose tackle hybrid more or mix in some ways, but he's much more of an upfield penetrating guy than, than Logan. And he eliminates the need, you know, that they don't need a defensive tackle anymore. They have a whole year to talk to him about extending him. And it hardly cost them anything. I mean, they just moved up and they moved back in the third round where they weren't going to – the defensive tackle class isn't very good here. That, you know, they weren't going to get a defensive tackle even in the first round. And to me, that's on par with Jernigan. And I think that D-end and especially corner 
and running back are also much bigger needs. And so now they're going to attack them. I really like Philly's offseason a lot. From Baltimore's perspective, they just gave Brandon Williams gigantic money. And they, other, they also have some gigantic nose tackles in the Williams mold that I think that they just want huge human beings at the defensive tackle position. And, you know, they value draft picks a great deal. And they think they now have four. I just read this a second ago, and I couldn't, couldn't find it. But I think they still have – they now have four picks in the top 78, which that's pretty darn good. That. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty darn good. And they did well in the draft last year as well. I think they did. You know, I mean, I, I've been – if you go to drafthistory.com and you pull up the Ravens, I don't think that their production with their draft has been as good as their as it has been traditionally, or as good as Ozzie Newsom's reputation, which I think is very deserved, and I think he's one of the best in the business. But over the past five drafts or so, they haven't done that great. This past draft class, I think, is different, but it's also. Mass. I mean, like they—they they also have a had a ton of picks last year, you know. But I think they're, you know, they hit on Young, on Dixon, on Stanley for sure. It looks like a good draft class, but I still think the jury's out a little bit. It's only a year old. Yeah, but I, I because of his his history, his reputation, I I trust him. With yeah. Four picks in his first seventy-eight, in in what expected to be a deep draft. I think they'll get better this year. I 100% agree. And it's also cap-friendly. You know, you're not going to have to pay Jernigan now. He's on his, his deal's up after the year. You have defensive tackles in place that are a little different than him. You know, the, you're going to get these these four picks in the top 78 should be with you for the next four years and maybe another even longer at a discount rate. So it, it, it makes sense for both people. Although it always surprises me, like, <laughs> yes, you know, we're making a case where the trade makes sense for both teams, but in the end, Timmy Jernigan's worth a heck of a lot more than trading up in the third round. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, on the surface, I would, you know, I'd much rather have Jernigan than a third round pick, or let alone just moving up in the third round. But from where both teams stand, you can understand why this t- makes sense for both. And, you know, you talked a little bit about how you like the Eagles offseason. It, it, it seems like it's been a very uh, just a smart, well-calculated offseason, just smart moves. And, you know, they, they got their coach last year, they got their quarterback, and then they just seem to be kind of plugging along here, doing what smart organizations need to do. Yes, and I think we've talked about this. I'm I'm smitten with Wentz. I think Wentz is going to be a superstar. Um, I might pick the Eagles to win that division this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were you know they had their moments last year, certainly. Right, and I think it's an underrated defense that should be better. I think Wentz will be tremendously better in the second season, and there's a lot more around them. You know, that I think that they go into this draft with three needs at maybe the three best positions in the draft, corner, edge rusher, running back. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a good year to uh, to be the Eagles in the draft, certainly. Um, yesterday there was some news, and it's something that you had been talking about since, you know, 
during the season when it looked like it was going to be Adrian Peterson's last year in Minnesota, you know, he visited the Patriots. That's a it's the natural fit you've been talking about for months. Um, little little surprised that that didn't get done, or do you think it's just part of the process that he could still end up in New England? I'm surprised that the correlation hasn't been made earlier. I mean, I've been calling for it since week two. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, right. it seems like it's just such a Belichick move. Why wouldn't Peterson want to go there? I would certainly take him over a LeGarrette Blunt. They always have that type of running back that doesn't catch passes but is big and physical and closes out games or, you know, attacks teams that don't handle the run all that well. Um it seems like a perfect marriage. Uh, so, but you know, when before when it was reported he was going there on a visit, both he and the Patriots, I think, said, "We're just going to talk. We're not expecting. There's not going to be a contract involved here. This is just kicking the tires for now." But there's more to it than that. I mean, you're not doing it for a social call to have dinner, right? Yeah, I mean. He's got to end up somewhere. I've seen some speculation that maybe they're doing this to send a message to Blunt. Hey, you know, we're not going to wait all day for you. Either you come back or we're moving on. Maybe that's the case. Maybe, but I don't think Blunt's very good. You know, like, I, yeah. I don't think that they care one way or another what Blunt thinks. You think he's completely replaceable? Completely replaceable, yes. Yeah. And you know, either through the draft or with Peterson or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many running backs in this draft that I just think that the market's dried up for those guys. Yeah, I mean, they they may they may just have to wait until after the draft, you know. Peterson, I think that is uh, what will happen. Blunt and Jamal Charles. And, and pos- probably Peterson, too. I mean, unless New England grabs right. him. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, and then who knows about Marshawn Lynch? You know what I mean? So there's definitely running back stories to be told the rest of this off season. I want to jump into a story that you did last week. We said that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the most gifted quarterback in the NFL. And, and I, I, I don't know how to explain my question, but I think it's just fascinating because he wasn't the most gifted when he came into the draft, or was he? I mean, do those quarterback gifts develop at a certain age? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think I do. And, you know, what's interesting to me, I was in the Browns' war room when he came out, and I watched probably four of his cow games. And he wasn't like this. <laughs> I, I can't say that enough, you know, that – as a team, and myself included as an individual, I liked him more than Alex Smith. But if I would have been in charge of the Browns, by no means would I have taken him at three. Or if I were the Niners, I would not have taken him first overall. I wouldn't have taken Smith either. But there was a lot of good dudes in that draft that I thought were better prospects than Rodgers and certainly better prospects than Smith. That and It's been a while, you know. <laughs> I mean, that right. was... 12 years ago or so, so, you know, I'm not quite as sharp on my evals of Aaron Rodgers as a Cal player, but his highlight tape was nothing like it is now. You know, I mean, this is what I always say about Aaron Rodgers, and if a couple things. First of all, I love him a lot. You know, that if we were, 
if we were picking the all-time team, if there's 32 teams and you get a team and I get a team, and I bet Aaron Rodgers would end up as my starting quarterback. You know, with all not, not that I would take him ahead of Montana or a couple others, but if I had first pick in the draft, I'd probably trade back to seven or eight and end up with Rodgers. I mean, I, I'm that high on him. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback of all time, but I'm not saying he isn't. You know, I mean, or will be remembered that way. And the thing I always say about Rodgers, and this doesn't mean he's the best of all time, but I've said this a hundred times too, that if you take every great quarterback that's ever played, Hall of Fame level or, you know, great players, Romo or better, you know, I mean, Romo just retired. So anybody that's been at that level or better, nobody's a better highlight tape than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, some are close. Brett Favre, Dan Marino, you know, uh, there, there's several that are in the ballpark, but none are better. The, this is my best 100 plays. And nobody has a better low-light tape. You know that I was just going to ask that. Yep. I mean, he never turns the ball over. I mean, that's what's yeah. crazy is he's an insane risk taker that makes throws that Alex Smith and many, many others, I'm not just picking on Smith, would never even consider unleashing. And he never turns the ball over. I mean, I'm not a passer rating fan, but his passer rating is like three points better than anyone in history. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. And he's playing the position unlike anyone has in the history of the game, too. I mean, much of it is out of structure. Much of it is when the play breaks down. Much of it is holding the ball five, six, seven seconds. And I know they probably had a rocky relationship, but he had to learn a ton from Favre. That, and again, Don't do what he didn't I do. enter the league throwing the ball like Favre, but now he does, and it's crazy. He's, he's a total outlier. Yeah, Brett Favre is like the older brother that went to jail. Don't, don't make my mistakes. You know, but he still mistakes. makes the throws Brett does. You know, the good one. Right. It's unbelievable. I think he's the most, I don't know, most of outlier player I've ever watched or studied. See, that, what's fascinating about that, I think, is the low light. Because you're saying that he's making all these incredible throws, risky throws, after several seconds, after the play breaks down, and that's where the mistakes usually happen, Right. But he right, doesn't make right. Those and even guys like Roethlisberger, you know, Greg Cosell always says this: that quarterbacks get older, defenses never do. <laughs> and you're looking at right. Roethlisberger, and no longer can you hold the ball seven seconds. And the Steelers knew this, so this is why they moved on from Arians to Haley, and they're investing in the offensive linemen. And now he's more of a cerebral, within the confines of the pocket player, and. Favre's one of the few that didn't have to do that. But, you know, even Rodgers' supporting cast, like his offensive line's really, really good, but it just took, you know, they just lost a couple starters. Um, but I don't think his receivers are phenomenal. You know, I mean, I don't think Randall Cobb's even good anymore. Adams is okay. He's a good player, not great. I think Nelson's actually a little overrated. I think he's a really good player at his best, but never came back to the level he was. I don't think he's, you know, on anywhere close to Beckham or Julio or any of those guys. Their tight ends have been okay. They've had little running game to speak of. I mean, another to quote another guy that does this for a living, Daniel Jeremiah always talks about quarterbacks as you're either the truck or the trailer. So think of an 18-wheeler. You're either 
the one pulling the train, the trailer, or you are the trailer. And mm-hmm. Alex Smith is a trailer. Andy Dalton's a trailer. Kirk Cousins is a trailer. Andrew Luck's a truck. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is a freaking locomotive pulling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's pulling a whole cast of, of train cars. So when did this happen? When did he go from a, you know, a guy who dropped to number 24 in the first round to being this really special, gifted guy? I mean, did, did that develop when he was, you know, 25, 26 years old? And is that unusual for those gifts to be hidden a little bit? I think it's certainly unusual. Although, you know, I mean, Tom Brady didn't throw the ball as well coming out of school and at the Combine as he does even now, let alone in his prime. Well, maybe his prime still is going on. Um, Right. I think he was – I think Rodgers was a late bloomer in terms of physical traits and certainly arm strength because, again, he may have made some nice throws at Cal, and he was a first-round pick. But it wasn't like this. I mean, if he was throwing the ball like this coming out of Cal, everyone in the world would have thought he was the first overall pick. <laughs> I mean, there wouldn't have been any, you know, any conversation about it. Because Alex Smith wasn't even a top, top prospect. He wasn't Andrew Luck coming out or Peyton Manning, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, I do think, I think you know, his Rod- career path is odd. classic bloomer. I mean, you know, I live not too far from his hometown, and, you know, the coaches used to say this kid was like 100, he was 5'2", 120 pounds as a freshman. We didn't even look twice at him, didn't realize he was either going to be our starting quarterback or even play football. And then he gets out of that school and, you know, he doesn't get any recruit, Division One recruitment. He's just a local recruit to the local JC. Yeah, I mean, he has, he's a late bloomer. Yeah, just a late bloomer. I'm glad you mentioned the JC route, too, because... Nobody wanted him. No. No, the, the coach the coach went to his parents' house because they lived like three blocks away. So what the hell, you know? Yeah, we'll give it a shot. You know, or yeah. maybe we got an extra scholarship this year. We didn't get the guy we wanted. Let's bring Rodgers in from the JC. Yeah, so it's pretty incredible. Talking about quarterbacks, it seems to me that this class of rookie quarterbacks are getting a little bit more interest and a little bit more excited excitement about them in the last week. Do you get the same feel that these guys maybe drafted higher than we thought initially? Maybe collectively. And to be honest, I think the class is better through my eyes than I thought it would be or that most people have been telling us it will be. And, again, I don't think there's a lot. I don't think there's somebody that should be considered with the first overall pick. But I love Mahomes. I mean, I yeah. you talk about Rodgers and Favre and Stafford and those type of guys. This guy is exactly like them. I mean, he's Johnny Manziel on steroids or Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. And, yeah, there's a lot of risk to taking him, but I would take him in a heartbeat. I, I love him. I really think he's good. I'm warming up to Deshaun Kaiser quite a bit. I'm lukewarm on Trubisky. I think Deshaun Watson is vastly overrated. Um, but then there's some guys, you know, like Peterman that I think is a, a high-quality Hoyer-plus type guy. Um, I really, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks have been exposed to, to Chad Kelly, who I think is, gonna, is a high-risk, 
could be really good. Um, Jared Evans is the other one I keep mentioning. That if, if anyone's going to be Dak Prescott, I think it's Kelly or Evans. Um, I don't see it with David Webb. I mean, a lot of talk, people are talking about him as Goff's successor at Cal being a potential first-round pick. He wouldn't be for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not a big fan. And then a guy who was getting a ton of hype before the season, but it dialed, you know, it, it kind of dialed down, is Brad Kaya, and mm-hmm. I think he's pretty good too. You know, as a second, mm-hmm. third round type of guy. So, right. You know, I just mentioned, you know, no one's talking about Evans or, or Kelly. Um, Matt Waldman was the one that talked about Kelly, and it really showed up and, and realized, boy, I mean, he's right. This, this guy is a, a, a risk, but he could hit huge. Jim, Jim Kelly's nephew. Um, right. But those top six or so that I mentioned, I bet three or four of them are hits. I'm, I'm with you. Them. I'm big on Mahomes, and I would not be surprised if he gets the Jets take him at six. You know, I mean, we've seen it before. You know, Blake Bortles going at three unexpectedly. Yeah. If you fall I, mean, I bet I'm not the only one out there that thinks he's the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah. And, and you know, you fall in love with a guy, you think he's your guy, you need a quarterback, you take him. And I think – he has those qualities that will make somebody fall in love with him. Yeah, yeah. And you know, an interesting thing about Mahomes, I know we're not going to spend too much time, and we're not draft guys as much, but everyone talks about that this guy's a crazy man. He just he doesn't do anything you know, within the structure of the offense. And there's some truth to that. I mean, there's certainly some Manziel-like negative things. Or, you know, we talked about Cutler, that, you know, he'll burn you. But his offensive line was so bad that for him to do anything, it couldn't be in within the structure of the offense. I mean, it was one of yeah. the worst lines I've seen as, as a D1 type of team in a long, long time. And you can't – I mean, and he was a – his dad was a professional baseball player, and I guess right. he was close to being that type of prospect too, gave up baseball this past year and dedicated himself full-time to being a quarterback and took – huge steps you know that so i think that his processing his you know all the skills have been there but i mean the mental side of it is very much on the upswing i mean he's only been a full-time quarterback for a year and imagine if he had a line you know i want to talk a little bit about this scouting philosophy and ask you if this has ever been a conversation in in a building that you've been part of And, and it's going to sound weird but i like prospects that come from families that have money because they are playing because they love it. They're not playing because of the pressure of buying mom a house or or getting out of a bad situation. They are playing because they are absolutely into it. And Mahomes is a guy that dad was a major league baseball player. And Brad Cox, I just screwed his last name up, his parents are very... They're both in the entertainment business. Um, Chad Kelly obviously had wealth being related to Jim Kelly. I like that attribute. Does that make any sense to you? It does, but there's also the argument the opposite way, which I think is just as strong as a counter-argument, that the dude that can only survive or you know, that has nothing else going for him but football and is from the street and comes from nothing – and has tons of pressure on him to support everybody back home and is is nasty and tough and one of those dudes from the U back in the day from inner-city Miami 
they can play for me anytime too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and that's not even part of my argument. It's just I think it's most, you know mutually exclusive here. Is that my 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 argument on this has always been my example, I guess. John Lynch. John Lynch's father is unbelievably wealthy, and John Lynch broke necks for like fifteen years at a as a hard hitting safety. Wasn't because of the money. He loved it, you know. And and we've seen you know other athlete sons do this type of thing before. And I just think they have it in them, and they just love the game. And it, it has nothing to do with wanting these type of guys more than a guy who has to provide for his family. I just think it's an it's just an added little thing that guy has, and it's just, you know, for lack of a better word, a love of the game. Yeah, and a lot of those dudes, especially when you think quarterbacks, were at all the Elite 11 camps, and right. you know, they had every, every advantage, you know, where some dudes couldn't afford a personal tutor quarterback type guy, or you know what I mean? Like, the money helped them when they were 12 years old teach them how to throw a football properly because they had the correct coaches and were in the right systems and the the areas of their prospective city where you know that were upper class that had that paid their coaches better than the others you know so yeah I, I do think there is some of that to it I mean you don't want Johnny Manziel who came from money and just did it for the fame you know but right. somebody that loves it and had all those advantages sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. Um, do you think this we're going to see more arrows pointing upward for this quarterback class? And, and if so, that changes the draft, and that's great news for anybody who doesn't need a quarterback and you need defense because it's going to make some really good defensive players fall. True. Yeah, I I do think there is some truth to that. I mean, I guess I'm not sure I could see it to the point where. Miles Garrett goes off the board, and five teams like last year are clamoring to get Mahomes at number two. You know, like I'm not sure that San Francisco can hold that pick for ransom because I don't think they would be in the Mahomes. You know, I don't think he's their type of guy. But you know, or do they take Trubisky at two, or people you know begging for that pick? And, you know, like the Eagles and the Rams were a year ago. I don't know if it gets to that point, but maybe. I mean, this draft is interesting to me because I think the sweet spots, and it may be you that said this, are 8, 9, 10. You know, there's not a number two guy that's easily, you know, like I think there's a tier of Garrett, and then there's like eight other dudes. You know, that I don't think you want to pick two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what well, you said that Mahomes may not be a forty nine type of guy. Who do you, who type of guy do you think he is? What team do you think he's fit with? Well, I just think that Shanahan's so structured and wants Ryan Cousins. You know, I don't think he wants Favre. <laughs> you know, I don't think he wants right. the guy that is is very unstructured. Um, but and I, and I don't think the Bears would want him either. I mean, I think he'd drive John Fox crazy. But, man, imagine him in Pittsburgh or Arizona or, you know, somewhere that he learns for a year and is a downfield, wing-it type of offense. I, I think it would be great. I, I see him connected. I see Mahomes connected to the Chiefs a lot. Um, you, you see him as the Andy Reid guy, and 
you think he'll fall to 27? I don't think he'll be there that long or there for Pittsburgh. Um, I I think Andy Reid is a very underrated offensive mind who has gotten an awful lot out of the Hoyings and Detmers of the world throughout his career. And by default, you know, like I don't think he – I don't think – I know him and Alex Smith. I think he's gotten the most out of Alex Smith. And I think you could look at him and say, this is a West Coast coach that wants a very, very cerebral quarterback. Him and Alex Smith are perfect together. Deep down, I don't think that's true. I think he's settled for Alex Smith and got the most out of him. You know, he took Donovan McNabb. You know, there's some McNabb-Mahomes, you know, uh, correlation there that I think he would gladly take Favre or a McNabb type or a Mahomes type and live with it. You know, I mean, he was around Favre. Yeah, he was around Favre. Um, Yeah, interesting. Um, Let's close the show out. You've talked a lot about... Man, the Giants need to start looking at young quarterbacks because you, you know, you said you said this a lot. That you're worried about Eli Manning. It looks like they're listening to you and they're, they've been studying quarterbacks. And the same goes for for the Steelers. Is, is the time right for these teams to to grab a quarterback? Yes. I mean, I, I do think, and I guess you could put San Diego or L.A. in that in that conversation, yep. too. I mean, they all came out the same class. Yep. I mean, to me, the Giants situation is much closer to the end than Pittsburgh's or the, or, or the Chargers are, though. You know, I trust Rivers. I trust Roethlisberger. But it goes back to the Greg Cosell thing, too, that defenses get younger and quarterbacks don't. And I think we're seeing that in a big way with Roethlisberger and Eli, and it's soon with Rivers, too. Um, you know, the, you go back to the Patriots. I mean, they use second and third round picks on quarterbacks all the time. That I don't think you want to be caught with your pants down there. You know, that what if Eli really is done? And then we're picking first overall. You know, <laughs> you know the, yeah. I'm not saying you have to use a first round pick on a quarterback, but I think that it should be in the conversation. Um, you know, would you take Watson or Trubisky over a great tight end or a great tackle, that's a really difficult decision for me. Yeah. Although I'm not uh, a Watson fan. Would, but. would you take – I mean, I think – I don't know whether the Giants – Giants don't have a super low pick. I think it's 23. Would you take Mahomes there? I would in a heartbeat. I mean, I think he's one of the best ten players in this draft at a very valuable position. Ben had great success with Aaron Rodgers just a couple of years ago. Uh, I would think he would love Mahomes, especially if there are, um, if he trusts him that he is a hard worker and all those things that apparently he is. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, but I mean, I think there's certainly a strong argument too that hey, we were a playoff team last year, maybe with the league's best defense. We just invest, invested in Marshall. If we added. Najuku or OJ, I mean, OJ Howard won't fall, but maybe we can win the whole thing this year, you know. So it's always that fine line of if I draft a quarterback, I'm really hurting myself somewhere else. It's always tough. Certainly, to that, yeah. I mean, it's the same and argument every think, year. I don't think Eli or Ben would take very kindly to that, you know. They, wouldn't it be the first time? No. <laughs> Brett Favre had to deal with it. John Elway had to deal with it with Tommy Maddox. But, yeah. you know, it would be a message to these guys. 
I mean, it's been they've spent very, very little draft resources on quarterback since acquiring Eli. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, good, good stuff. We're going to be you know talking draft big time leading up. I think we got three uh, three shows before the draft, so this is kind of a good way to get into April. So I appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, we'll talk to you next week. All right, bud. Good stuff. We'll see you soon.